0: Now, on documentary on News Talk, another chance to hear 2016's Personal Best, the story behind Irish women in Paralympic sport by Susan Dennehy.
1: I've just pulled up outside a very ordinary semi detached house in a large housing estate in Blanchardstown, not a million miles away from the National Aquatic Centre on Dublin's north side. And it's a beautiful sunny winter's day, the 15th of February, the day after Valentine's Day. The sun is splitting the stones and yet there's that lovely cold frosty air. I'm here because it's the first stop in my quest to answer a question that's preoccupied me lately. Like many Irish women I know, I've had little or no interest in sport for most of my life. In fact, growing up, I would say that sport was something to be avoided at all costs. Over the years, I would have done the aerobics class or gone for a jog, but to be honest, that was more to do with losing weight than taking part. Or, perish the thought, competing. But lately, as my own daughters move into their teenage years, and major popular sporting events like the Euros continue to feature male athletes, questions have arisen in my house. Why do lots of girls give up sport when they become teenagers? Why are men's sporting events more popular? Are there benefits to being involved in organised sport that generations of Irish women like me have been missing out on? Benefits like increased strength, resilience and self-belief. My daughter's questions ringing in my ears, I set out to get some answers. And where better to start than with Irish women who have had every excuse in the book not to get involved in sport? and yet, at this moment in time, are preparing to compete at the highest level. So that's why I find myself, six months before the 2016 Paralympic Games, knocking on swimmer Ellen Keane's red front door. Oh yeah, I'm in the right place, thank God,
0: how are you? Come on in. Good to meet you. You too. How are you? Um, my name is Alan Keane, I'm 20 years old, nearly 21. Um, I'm a Paralympic swimmer. Uh, my main events are 100 metre breaststroke, 200 metre individual medley and 100 metre butterfly. I am a student studying culinary entrepreneurship and I'm from Clontarf. Um, well, I just came back from world championships in the summer and I won a bronze medal. So <laughs> third in the world last year, uh, currently fourth in the 100 metre breaststroke, but I'm hoping to improve that this year. Um, Well, I've qualified for Rio, so the team will be announced later on in the year. So it's February now, but the team won't be announced till about June. Um, but I'm very confident I'll be on the team. I'm more about a time in my head at the moment. So if I was to swim a really good time and come fifth, I'd be happier than if I swam the same time that I'm at and come third. Obviously I want to win a medal, everyone wants to win a medal, but I think I'd be more satisfied if I won a medal and got a really good time at the same time. I was born without my left arm, just below the left elbow, and um, yeah, it's just something I've had to grow up with and grown accustomed to, I've never had anything else So it's not like I had a left arm and I had to get used to not having a left arm, so everything that I've learned is just, oh people do it this way, because they can, whereas I just do things differently. When you hit teenagers you kind of become more insecure about things, and I think my arm was just the thing I became more insecure about, so I wore my sleeves down a lot and tried to fit in and tried not to be the girl with the one arm. So when it came to sport, sport really helped me with my insecurities and my confidence because in swimming all you have is your swimsuit and your hat and your goggles so you can't hide your arm, there's no sleeves and I think that's the one way I became more confident. So I started kind of competing when I was about eight or nine and then when I was 13 I went to the Paralympic Games in Beijing. And that was my first ever major international competition. So I was a bit mad for my first one to be a Paralympics. Actually, I grew up hating lessons. I hated swimming and all the lessons and all that. But once I kind of got into competition, it was the drive and the like kind of control you had yourself that I really, really enjoyed.
1: Meeting Ellen, it's impossible not to be impressed. At the age of 20, she's preparing for her third Paralympic Games. But that's not what impressed me most. As I drive home in the failing winter light, the significance of her choosing culinary arts, with all the practical work that involves, when she has no left arm, suddenly struck me. And I realised something. Ellen doesn't only meet challenges, she seeks them out. At this point, I should tell you a little more about why I'm on this quest and why I'm so interested in women in Paralympic sport in particular. My youngest daughter, Grace, who's 12 years old, has a disability and uses a wheelchair. Recently, I noticed how winning a race and a gold medal boosted her confidence. The experience seemed to give her a more positive view of herself, allowing her to see further possibilities in terms of what she can achieve. I'm curious, did Ellen's parents observe the same thing when she was growing up? Eddie and Laura Keane's home is bursting with evidence of their daughter's sporting achievements, including photographs, letters of congratulations, trophies, and of course, medals. Lots and lots of medals.
2: This is a big Teddy sitting on a little chair like you would have in junior infants in school, wooden chair that we got years ago. But um, all the medals medals and right. that's not all our medals we have them boxes away so right. we, we every time she won a medal we'd put her around um teddy's
3: like neck. disability sports events they were the ones we went to in sheffield weren't they laura
2: yeah that's where ma- the major ones were they're, they're from all over
3: that was the end now. how
1: many medals do you think the teddy is wearing
2: uh a couple of hundred
1: <laughs> i'd say so <laughs> he's He's way down down for sure
2: he used to be upright but now as you can see he's He's very much forward
1: oh my god look at that there's even more of them underneath yeah Yeah. there's (laughs) hundreds of them
2: (laughs) oh my god hundreds of them there's uh, IWA ones
3: Irish Uh, Irish wheelchair association Association.
2: and
1: there's a big one 2006
3: ready, willing and able for sport that's that's
2: probably Lisbon Lisbon I should say yeah that's, this, her first, that's her a beautiful first medal. medal
1: it is a lovely medal isn't it oh, yes. and that? do you remember her winning that first medal can i wasn't describe? there yeah, yeah. And were you there can I you was, describe yeah. that event for me well, just
3: absolutely brilliant uh she was only about eight wasn't she when she went up there yeah she was, she was um up in lisbon and um it was just fantastic to see her in a competition and just coming out and loving it you know yeah. and going around with her little medal afterwards but the people we met that day, that first day up there, they encouraged her and everything. They told her she was great and you know what she could achieve and everything like that. And I only for those people, you know, like I at that time I didn't even know what a PB was, a personal best. And um, we used to be sitting in the side and saying what's a PB and what's this, what's that. We hadn't got a clue, but we learned it all fast, yeah. you know.
1: So what is a PB or personal best? Well simply, it's a sports person's fastest time or highest score in a particular event. Sports people are always looking to improve their PB, essentially to break their own record. I like this concept. I like that your goal in sport can be to improve your own performance. Imagine if we applied that way of measuring success to other areas of life. Around the time eight-year-old Ellen was coming home to Dublin with her first medal, A young woman, Deirdre Mongan, was living in Galway and doing her best to meet the challenges of a new way of life. Having quietly made a name for herself as a sportswoman to watch, Deirdre is also hoping to represent Ireland at the Paralympic Games. Not only is Deirdre an elite athlete, but she's a mum and she holds down a full-time job and I need to find out how she does it all. So on a very grey February day, I drive north to a neighbourhood directly in the shadow of the brooding Mourn Mountains. I have arrived at Deirdre Mungan's house. And it's a dreadful day, it's lashing rain. So I'm going to go in and say hello. Hi, Hi Deirdre, how are you? Good. I, I made it a last. I'm so sorry I was late. Great <laughs> to finally
0: meet you. You
4: live in Come a lovely it. area. I've seen all of it. You probably have. <laughs> you more than you need. <laughs> My name is Derda Mongan. I'm from Milltown in County Galway, but I've been living in Newcastle in County Down for the past three years. I'm 37 years of age and I'm hoping to compete in the Rio Paralympics in September. If I do get there, it'll be my first Paralympic Games. Well, I was involved in a farming accident when I was 14, and as a result of that, I broke my neck at the C7 level, which means I'm paralysed from my chest down. I always would look at other people around me and see them doing this and doing that and feel, well, I want to do that. I don't want to miss out on what other people are doing, especially, you know, friends my own age. And I suppose that always drove me to go on, finish school, go to college and so on, live away from home because I didn't want to be, you know, pigeonholed as the disabled person who didn't do anything or, you know, was confined to a life of not doing a whole lot. I suppose what I like about shot put is you're, I feel like I'm competing against myself and you're constantly looking to improve your throws and... You can me- you know, you measure your throws, and it's very easy to see year on year, month on month, where you're going, how you're progressing. If I go out and throw a personal best, well, that's a great achievement. That's a good day, regardless of whether I win a competition or not, because I think if you throw better than you've ever done in your life, you've done well, and it's kind of that, you know, you continually kind of improve, and you're testing yourself. I think if you want to compete at any sort of level, like sacrifices have to be made. And I suppose now that I'm married and have a baby, the sacri- you know, it's the whole family that have to make sacrifices. It would be, it's, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, I don't know where I'll be when it comes around to Tokyo and I've never qualified for one before. So I really
1: want to get there this year. Deirdre will find out if she's qualified for the Rio games in June. In the meantime, she's training hard. Two afternoons a week, she meets coach Dave Sweeney at Morton Stadium, not far from Dublin airport. Dave, is it? Yeah, yeah. Hi, how are how you? are you doing? Are you all right? Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Wrong yeah. hand, sorry. You're right. Deirdre has two coaches. Eamon Flanagan works with her on strength and fitness, and Dave works on her throwing technique. While Deirdre gets changed, Dave sets up.
5: Um, well, Generally when Deirdre arrives, um, she goes in and gets changed and it gives, gives me time to to set up her chair and bring her throwing equipment out. So they brought the chair over, but you can see this bag weighs a tonne. <laughs> There's uh, shot puts and steel bars and whatnot inside it.
1: And what has Deirdre's form been like lately?
5: She's been good, yeah, really good. Um, She had a super throw there a few weeks back, uh, 4.24, and I think her her personal best is 4.26. Uh, So she's right, I I think she's ready to probably go over her best ever. I think last year, she 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 had an amazing performance getting a, a bronze medal at the World Championships, and that was just after she'd had a baby, and uh, she'd got married and, you know, there's a, there a lot of things happening in her life and to, to come out with a bronze medal was amazing. And, uh, and I think this year she's probably put in a more solid training base and uh, so fingers crossed, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Talking to Deirdre, it's clear that as an able-bodied child growing up in the west of Ireland in the 80s, there were literally no opportunities for girls in sport.
4: And really, apart from PE classes, um, there was practically nothing, whereas nowadays you see younger girls, they're a lot more involved in sports like the GAA, whereas back in my day, there was none of that for girls.
1: Ironically, she got her first taste in sport after she became paralysed.
4: I had my accident when I was 14 and I remember taking part in sports in the National Rehabilitation Hospital But unfortunately, once I went home from there to Galway, there was absolutely nothing in terms of facilities in Galway. Um, I suppose you have to remember this was back in 1992 and wheelchair sport and Paralympic sport was nowhere near as developed as it is now. There was very little in the West in terms of um, clubs or sports that I could participate in. So really, I didn't join anything until um, I moved to Dublin in 2006 and once I was there I got involved um, in wheelchair rugby and I just really got into it and it more or less started from there and it's from there I got into shot put and here I am now. So it took a while before I got into sports but it was more because there was not, no opportunities rather than me not wanting to be, to get involved.
5: So what I'm doing now, I'm just, um, I'm just taking out the straps and uh, bars that actually tie down the um the chair into the ground.
1: Can you describe the chair for me?
5: The chair it's um all the all the chairs um there they're there's specific um, I guess criteria that are set down in the rules on, on, on how a chair can actually be designed. Um so for example I think the, the maximum height that a chair can be is 75 centimetres off the ground. So it would be important that the athlete actually has the chair built right up to that height so that they're throwing off as high a base as possible. The chair itself is kind of square. It's metal, or aluminium, the whole base. And there's, on one side um, of the chair, there's a bar sticking up uh, vertically. And uh, Deirdre would sit on the chair and hold onto that bar. Because she has no control of her trunk muscles, she needs this bar to actually support herself and keep herself upright. Um, but Deirdre, she would uh, like when she when she throws, she would uh, reach back as far as she can with her trunk. She would kind of turn and uh, r- rotate her trunk backwards and lean backwards, and then from that position, she would pull on the bar and uh, and then launch launch her body forward and release the shot put out.
1: For many women, having a baby can knock them off their professional, let alone their sporting career. Not so for Deirdre. With the support of family, she was glad to return to work and to training. You know,
4: your life changes so much, you know, when you have a baby and it was great for me to have the sport to go back to and just kind of try and get back to some semblance of normality because when I was pregnant, I was... Able to do so little. Um, it was like being in a wheelchair and being paralysed from the chest down. Um, it's it was very difficult to even push myself anywhere. So I basically felt like my life was on hold for a number of months. So having sport to get back to was actually it was a great release to have. You know, as I've gotten stronger over the last year and a half it's actually gotten a lot easier to manage her in terms of lifting her and so on so I can can manage to lift her up and lift her onto my lap and so on I find it hard to do it but I think I'd have no hope of doing it if I wasn't as strong or as fit as I am
1: now And how are you feeling about Rio now? Let me just check It's 215 days now Is it?
4: <laughs> I'm not counting down at the moment Rio is just so far down the road I'm not thinking about it and I don't really want to be thinking about it the whole time um, I've got a very good coaches and they've come up with a plan for me for the next 215 days and really I'm just looking at that week to week and I'm not really looking past the next month's training after, you know, after that, I don't really know what's going on so I'm trying just to get by week by week and um, right now I'm We've got Europeans in June and that is my next major um, competition. So that's what I'm looking at now rather than Rio in September.
0: You're listening to Personal Best, the story behind Irish women in Paralympic sport on News Talk
1: 106-108. In some ways, Paralympic sport in Ireland has always been a relatively female-friendly arena. At the very first Games in Rome in 1960, swimmer Joan Horan brought home gold. At just 21 years of age, Rio will be Ellen Keane's third Games. At the age of 17, she swam in London in 2012, and she was just 13 when she competed in Beijing in 2008.
0: They have a new rule, ruling at the moment that the youngest person for an Irish team is 14, so I will forever hold the title of youngest ever Irish Paralympic, Paralympian.
1: But what was the experience of Beijing like for the little girl from Dublin.
0: It's just so surreal. I don't think there's really words to describe it. You go and you end up living in this bubble. We trained in Beijing and had our own little holding camp. Um, And then you move a couple of days before the games, you move into the Olympic village. And this is where all the athletes live together. So that's an even bigger bubble. Um, But once you're in that bubble, Everything is just kind of aimed towards competing and everyone is just so focused and it's all just about sports. So the slogan of the Beijing Games actually is one world, one dream. When I turned 18, I actually got that tattooed on my back. I think that, like, that was my first tattoo and I, like, I don't really have that many, I have three, but that's probably my favorite just because it's, it was my first games. So far, it's my favorite games. Um, I came sixth in the 100 metre breaststroke Uh, yeah, in the final
1: While Ellen's international swimming career got off to an incredible start part of being an athlete is learning how to cope with the lows as well as the highs
0: When I came back from Beijing I think I struggled a bit because no competition lived up to it no, nothing was as big or anything and I was still 13 so I, I had to grow up as well and then I didn't know how to be an elite athlete. I think I just got to Beijing off pure talent. And uh, I tried to juggle going out with my friends and school and swimming. And I thought I could do everything and I clearly couldn't. And when it came to, so I between Beijing and London, I went to a couple of Europeans and a world championships and I did okay in them, but I didn't do great. Um, and then when I came to London, I didn't swim as well as I should have. I was really upset. But I decided that I'd kind of take everything that I'd learned from the past four years. Because everyone has their ups and downs and everyone has... You have to make mistakes in order to know how to get somewhere. And um, I kind of decided I have to 100% commit to this. And that's kind of what I did.
1: The Irish Paralympic team won 16 medals at the London Games. Despite over half of those being won by female athletes... Ellen was disappointed not to place. But resilience is a sign of a true athlete and she's been on an upward trajectory ever since.
0: Um, In 2013, I won my first international medals at World Championships. So I won two bronze medals in Canada. Um, In 2014, was with Europeans. And uh, it was, I think, two or three weeks after my leaving cert. (laughs) And <laughs> I had three fourth place finishes, <laughs> um, and then just last year at World Championships, I won a bronze medal in 200 IM. So I think I'm on track. We
6: Swim four 150s, 100 free, 50 no free. We do that again on turnaround interval. This time, 10 seconds. So really folks, on the catch, good body, balance, and position. 100 free, 50 no free for 150s.
1: In addition to working in the gym, Ellen does seven training sessions each week in the pool at the National Aquatic Centre. She has an excellent relationship with her swim coach, Dave Malone, a former Paralympic swimmer himself. Dave is not just someone who provides advice and encouragement. He's someone that Ellen trusts.
0: So I've actually used to swim with Dave. He, we went to Beijing together in 2008 and he's won multiple Paralympic medals. So it's really nice to have somebody who understands everything. And he, suppose he's kind of been a little bit of a role model to me growing up and kind of, he understands everything. So if, you, if I'm feeling a little bit stressed or a little bit under pressure, or I'm just a little bit unsure of something, I can always go to Dave. He's not just a coach, like he's a friend.
6: I swam in um, four games in Atlanta in '96, and then retired in uh, Beijing in 2008. So, um, and I was the team lead for the London Games for the swim program, and um, so this games through I'm the performance director. So, kind of working across multiple sports as a coach, you know, I'm not I know what I'm trying to achieve in terms of a program design for Ellen. So, ultimately, what we're looking to do then is. For Ellen to kind of reach uh, her potential over the next number of weeks. Um, and I suppose she's a very young athlete, but quite experienced at this level. She's been really committed across all the areas of her preparation so her life uh, balance and recovery, uh, nutrition, psychology, um, well being, uh, mentally and physically.
1: What's the most important personality trait you can have to compete at an elite level?
6: I think you got to believe in yourself, I think that's the most important piece, because um, obviously you've got to work on the te- technical, tactical elements of training, and whether that's in the pool or in the dry land and, or on a bike or whatever sport you choose to do, but, but I think ultimately you've got, to, you've got to believe in your ability, and you see it time and time again, a lot of people are fantastic trainers, when they go to the arena competition, they don't believe in themselves or their abilities at times, and, and they never really fulfill. Their, their goals or ambitions or the potential. You know, all athletes work hard, but it's the ability to, to believe that you can go and do it and get up and, and have a go. And I think, I think belief is a key component of high-performance sport. And I think a lot of the top athletes, not necessarily believe they're going to win things, but they believe in what they're capable of and they know what work they put into it. And I think that's, that's the key. All right,
5: paddles.
1: So, how does a young athlete starting out build that level of confidence in her own abilities? One thing that's widely acknowledged is that a child's confidence in herself is accelerated when adults believe in her. Ellen has never had any shortage of supportive adults in her corner, especially her parents
0: and they're really proud they love it they thrive off it and they're like oh yeah my daughter's Ellen and all this they were always the ones who brought me to the pool for 5am in the morning so (laughs) a pretty close bond there and uh, they travel with me well they don't travel with me but they come and watch me race all over the world so they get their own little holiday out of it and just recently at world championships they purchased green suits and they wore it to every day to World Championships and I think they became more famous than the athletes themselves of anyone that was there.
3: Now these are the suits. We've just got them dry cleaned. And mine is a bright green with darker green shamrocks all over it. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful?
2: And he has a tie to man. We have a white
3: shirt and a tie to match exactly the tie is exactly the same color green with green shamrocks on it as well. Yeah,
2: yeah and mine was exactly Laura the same. Exactly the I got the same suit. suit, but I got it made in two. just above the knee or below the knee?
3: Below the knee trousers. <laughs> below the knee
2: trousers yeah. with a nice little slit at the side, <laughs> green. And out of the sleeves of the jacket, Orla made me this waistcoat, which is literally just the front. front I reckoned that that would be better for Rio because it'll be cooler. (laughs) So that's our suits. If you ever want a loan of a fancy dress now, you know where to come. They are fantastic. They are. They're a bit of of
3: fun. Hopefully, there'll be something to celebrate. Well, yeah.
2: She'll do us proud no matter what. Yeah, she will. We're very proud of her.
1: While Ellen and Deirdre's families enjoy the travel and the spectacle of the big competitions, The day-to-day support the athletes need from them is often less about fun and more about sacrifice. Deirdre and her husband Steve made a conscious decision that he would give up work to take care of their baby daughter Amy. Both sets of grandparents help out a lot, but Deirdre's sport places demands on both her and Steve.
4: Before I got married uh, and when I was competing, I didn't give it a second thought, I just went to whatever country we were competing in and did it, whereas now everything has to be planned to the nth degree. Obviously, it's very tough leaving Amy behind. And it's the first time I went was probably the worst, but I do try to minimise the amount of travel I do. But that is definitely the hardest, I suppose. In one way, I'm lucky that she's too young, that she doesn't know I'm going and she like once I'm gone I'm gone and it doesn't seem to bother her at all but I think if she was a bit older and was missing me I think I'd find it very hard to just go off and leave her behind and it'll probably get harder as time goes on as well.
7: Deirdre definitely is is making a lot of sacrifices. Um, it's Deirdre that does all the work. I, I miss out on bits as in uh, Deirdre has to go on a Monday night now for training and then she spends a few days in Dublin during the week and there's training here and training there and there'll be events coming. So it's a bit weird for me being a chartered accountant, having gone from uh, from being full-time employment, like a financial controller, maybe working 12 hours a day to suddenly now sitting at home with the child and a lot of the time that being by myself because Deirdre's uh, a way off. But it's just not like Deirdre's way off gallivanting and having a great time. It's, it's work and work is work. So... Yeah, Dee knows that, I, that, I, that that sacrifice to me, it's, it's been talked about, but I love spending my time with Amy as well. I, I love whenever Mummy gets home from whenever she's been training or whatever because sometimes she needs to come in and referee because the two of us might have fallen out. Right now, at this stage in our lives, it's all about Dee. Dee's the breadwinner in the house and the Paralympic is coming up and that's just what we're focused on.
1: On the 5th of July, the Minister for Sport, Patrick O'Donovan, officially announced the Irish Paralympic team for Rio. Both Ellen and Deirdre have secured a place. At the announcement event, some of the youngest members of this year's team mingled with the legends of Paralympic sport in Ireland.
8: Uh, well, I'm Anne Ebbs. Uh, my maiden name was Sinnott. And um, I live in the a little village outside Drogheda. I suppose I competed internationally, including Paralympics, for 14 years.
1: Not only did Anne compete in table tennis and win three Paralympic medals, she was also the driving force behind the development of the Paralympic movement in Ireland.
8: The other day when the team for Rio was announced, I was talking to a couple of the very young athletes that are going to Rio and I was saying to them, Regardless of the result, always remember this. This is your first Games and it'll be the most magic of all.
1: So there's another uh, Paralympic athlete who's going to Rio in the pool today. So can you tell me who that is and a little bit about her?
6: Yeah, uh, Nicole Turner, who's going to be the uh, youngest member of the Irish team for Rio. She's just turned 14. it's just come back from her very successful European Championships. So she swam World Championships last year as well. She's been part of our development programme for the last uh, four years. And um, so really one for the future. Um, but a uh, tremendous athlete, great character.
9: And um, I'm Nicole Turner. I'm 13 years old, and I'm from Fort Deutch. And uh, you would have got your official letter
1: recently to tell you that you made the team. How did that feel?
9: Um, it was kind of unbelievable, like watching back to London. I wouldn't have thought, like this day, four years, I would have been like at my first Paralympic Games.
1: And have you been swimming long? Like, tell me how it started for you. Like, what age did you start swimming?
9: Um, well, my two brothers started before me, and they were about six or seven when they started. And then, like, my mum and dad just wanted me to start for safety reasons and stuff. And then, like, I didn't really like, believe that I would have been like a competitive swimmer and come in like training seven times a week, and then hopefully going to the Paralympic Games. Like, I couldn't really, I didn't really think that back in the day.
1: And has it hit home for you that you're going to actually be representing Ireland?
9: No, it's not really sunk in yet, like. And how much do you love swimming? Yeah, I love swimming, like, it's not a chore kind of thing. I just, I do it because I want to do it.
1: Hearing Nicole Turner's enthusiasm for her swimming, I can't help but think that we should all be encouraging our daughters to take up competitive sport. But Anne Ebbs sagely makes the distinction between having to be involved and being given the opportunity to get involved.
8: Well I think it's like any child, regardless of whether they have a disability or not. Some are interested in sport and some are not. Some of them would rather sit in on a computer or and others can't wait to get out there and do it. If the opportunity is there for them to have a go if they want to. That's great. I wouldn't push anybody into it, uh, but so long as they know it's there and so long as they're given the opportunity to have a go, then they can make up their minds. So, I've
1: just been at the uh, National Aquatic Centre. It's the 9th of July, and Ellen Keane and one of the younger Paralympians, Nicole, were both training there with Dave Malone. And I have to say, I was so impressed. Um, Like these guys are so hard working they just go up and down the pool they do whatever Dave drills Dave, outlines for them and they give it everything but I can feel now the excitement around Rio building and I can sense from them they're all getting really excited the hard work part is ending and the exciting buzz part of competing and the whole experience of the games is starting to kick in and they're all really looking forward to it tell me now Uh, so where are we now we're the 9th of July we're the 9th of July the official team was announced four days ago so what happens between now and the end of August when you head off to Rio for you
0: Um, so we've got a bit more training to do now Uh, 10 days we've got another race practice so we have nationals in 10 days Uh, that's when most of the Irish able-bodied swimmers will be hoping to perform uh, but as Paralympians we'll be just using it as some race practice and then we've got a training camp in Fuerteventura for 11 days and then we're home for 10 days and then we go to Uberlandia for our training camp uh, in Brazil and then off to Rio
1: How are you feeling about it all? Are you just wishing it would come? Like have you been waiting too long for it? Or?
0: No, this is really where it starts going at lightning and speed so it's kind of just about enjoying every day and every everything that comes one thing at a time
5: Ah. Okay, good acceleration.
0: But
4: not far enough
5: back. But didn't get back. Yeah. Yeah. You can probably see it yeah, yeah, no, yourself. It, well. it, well. it, so, it was really flat.
1: At one of her final throwing sessions, I asked Deirdre what's her game plan for Rio?
4: First of all, I just want to perform well. And I think if you perform well, you're giving yourself a chance to win a medal. And hopefully I get a good performance in. And who knows after that. And if, Mike, can I just do one more to get my finger a bit yeah. better?
5: Olympic Games or Paralympic Games are just... It's just totally different. For a start, the whole world is watching. And, you know, for those that are going, I suppose there'll be great great relief that they're on the team, but then a huge amount of uh, expectation. It gets tough to manage all that, but but look, that's, that's part of it, you know, so...
1: Uh. Good. That was an okay one.
4: Yeah, no, I'm happy with that
6: one. <laughs> yeah.
1: The expectation that Dave mentioned comes from the athlete themselves, as well as external sources. Experience has taught Ellen to filter out anything that might interfere with her focus.
0: Uh, so I won my bronze medal at World Championships on the last day last year. And what I did different was I deleted my Facebook and my Twitter account um off my phone um I told all my team that do not like one of the boys he's really really interested in comparing people and looking at the world rankings and being like oh you're gonna win a medal if you do this and all this and I had to sit down and talk to him and be like stop like that's not gonna help anyone no especially not me so if you're gonna talk to me you can talk to me about the weather or just don't talk to me about swimming um because I think just focusing on it too much, just I just need to relax. And that's what I'm going to try and do this year, is just learn to relax.
1: As part of her preparation, Ellen will travel to a holding camp at Uberlandia in Brazil, two weeks before the Games begin on the 7th of September. She's caught up in the whirlwind of preparations now, and she won't see her family again until after she competes.
3: Well, we might see her at the opening ceremony, but she'll be down there, and we'll be up there. That's if she's allowed to go. That's if she's allowed to go. This is the first time. Yeah.
2: uh, She doesn't swim till the fourth day, so she might be allowed to go to the opening ceremony this time.
3: So even when we get to Brazil, Rio, we won't see her until she's actually swimming in the pool. Yeah. And. um, But
2: you get used to that. I (laughs) am. And if you get a wave off or a man passing, you're you're doing well. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because she's totally focused when she's out there, you know.
1: The last person that both Deirdre and Ellen will speak with before they compete will be their coach. So what do you say to someone in that moment?
6: I may say something that just comes to my mind. Usually when I'm there, I'm there as as an encouragement and a motivator and a supporter to to say Ellen, for example. So uh, I may just make it up on the spot and, and say something that I feel is appropriate from the journey we've shared together but ultimately, usually with Alan I'm, I'm kind of like trying to break it down, normalize it. So, you know, just go and have some fun, enjoy it. Um, and you, you know, ultimately, you're trying to put a, a smile on someone's face in a, in a tense moment and just give them that little bit of uh, normalness, if you like, around that. And usually, that's just before they go into a call room. So when they go into a call room, they're generally there 15 minutes ahead or 20 minutes ahead of their race. So that's their time. Uh, it, it's not my time. I've had I've had my time as an athlete and. It's a magic that you, you can't explain until you're in there. But it's a, it's a very personal moment. But I think that's, that's the special moment that it builds up to.
1: After the cold room, Ellen will make her way out to take her place on the starting block and wait for the whistle that starts the race. I've always wondered, watching the athletes as they step up and down and shake their arms and put their heads from side to side, what are they thinking? It must take nerves of steel to stay focused at this point.
0: I suppose when I was younger, what would go through in my mind is OK, so this is under pressure, under pressure, under pressure don't do fly, don't do freestyle, don't do anything wrong you're in lane three <laughs> and you just kind of keep on going over in your head. Um, but the five minutes beforehand, I think I don't really think that much. I kind of just relax and kind of concentrate on relaxing and Try not freak out, and yeah, that's kind of what I just think about—is just relaxing and enjoy it. I think if you don't enjoy it, what's the point in doing it? And I think I didn't enjoy it for so long that that's why I didn't swim well for four years. Um, and I think uh, since London, I've only really started to enjoy it again.
1: And what goes through her mind when she's actually racing, or is there even time for thought?
0: Uh, racing. Uh you kind of just think the more you're in pain, the faster you're going. So <laughs> if you're in pain, it's kind of, you. I kind of just think to myself, if you're in pain, that's a good thing, don't slow down. Don't try and make it any easier, because if you make it easier, you're just going to slow down.
1: So it turns out that competition is just as punishing as all the training. It's not an easy life, that's for sure. I wonder what Ellen would miss out on if she didn't have her swimming.
0: And I just don't think I'd be as independent if I didn't have swimming. Me and my, me and my boyfriend were doing this thing. Um, I actually met my boyfriend through swimming as well, so I wouldn't have had that. Um, we were doing this like question thing that we found online, and one of the questions was, what are you most grateful for? And um, I was like, oh, I think I'm most grateful for being armless, because if I didn't have, if I had two arms, I don't think I'd be where I am today. And I don't think I'd be swimming, and I don't think I'd be doing all this.
1: For Deirdre, it's simply her way of life now.
0: I've been involved
4: in sport for so long. I'd I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have it now. You know, you just get used to doing it, and I like being involved, and I like being part of teams and so on, and um, having something to, you know, a goal to aspire to, and it's just been a very positive um, part of my life. Like you know, it's not not something I'd give up lightly.
1: And what about Amy? Would you like her to have sport in her life? I'd love her to, really love her
4: to be involved in sport and would definitely encourage it. Uh, To be honest, I don't care what she does, as long as it'd be something she'd enjoy, but I think what she would get out of it, no matter what it is she gets into, is just immense and it's so important.
1: As evening closes in on Morton Stadium, you can see the lights on the planes as they pass overhead. Deirdre begins to transfer into her car to make the journey home. Give this down
4: to a fine art, Deirdre. Yeah, no, it's basically just park up beside the car, uh, brakes on, transfer myself in first, and then um, the chair I have is very small and compact and it folds up, which makes it very easy to get into the car. So just take off the wheels.
1: As I watched Deirdre make light work of dismantling her wheelchair, I'm reminded of something Anne Ebb said.
8: Being involved in sport and with the successes that you have and, and the failures, it does make you a stronger person. It gives you oodles of confidence to go out there and be who you are. I think all the opportunities I've ever had the independence that I have. I don't think any of that would be there if it wasn't for my involvement in sport.
4: Yep, that's it.
0: Personal Best was produced by Susan Dennehy and was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. To listen
7: back to this or any other News Talk documentary, go to newstalk.com forward slash documentary on Newstalk.